I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. Okay, Second Shift podcast community, Second Shift members, anybody who is looking for a job, looking to make a switch from one career to another, this is an episode you cannot miss. I am interviewing Calvin Yee. He is a big major honcho at Egon Zender, which if you don't know, is one of the world's leading executive recruiters. Calvin has his finger on the pulse of what is happening in the current job market, as well as having to place candidates in roles and C-suite roles across the world. He really understands what it takes to show up as your best self and to get the job, what people are looking for, what mistakes not to make. And as a second shift client, he understands our community in depth. He understands who our members are, and he's hired some of them. So he really gets how to position yourself when you're pitching, when you're interviewing. This just goes into like a real 360-degree look at hiring, at getting hired, and who's hiring right now. So don't miss this one. Thank you, Calvin, for taking your time and educating our community. He has been a cheerleader for the second shift from the beginning, and we are so appreciative. The reason why I wanted to talk to you this morning is because I think you have a really unique perspective on the job market because you're in this position, especially within the second shift world, where you really have a total understanding from a 360-degree perspective of what's going on in the job market right now. You place people in jobs, so you're talking to the mm. clients, so you're talking to the people that you're placing, and then you're a second shift client. So you have the experience of working with us, knowing our platform, knowing who our members are, and seeing how they can best optimize the workforce right now and put themselves in a really good position. So thank you for lending us your expertise. This is, no, is going to be great. <laughs> you Look, it's a blast. It's a blast. It's fun. It's a distraction from the day. And what more could you want to spend like an hour with you on video? I won't even thank you. I won't even make you spend an hour with us. We will make this short and sweet because I know you're, you're a man on the go. But, um, you know, Calvin has been a friend of the Second Shift for a very long time, a incredible supporter and believer in the mission of the business, but also... I think you saw very early the quality of and caliber of the talent that we were able to attract and both for yourself, but understanding that is like something that sets us apart in this job recruiting world. So uh, thank you for being our cheerleader. Now let's get to it. What is going on? Everyone is asking us and writing in what's going on in the job market. What are you seeing? What are you hearing from your clients? And I don't really have a good answer because it feels like a really choppy and confusing time right now. So what do you think? Well, if you figure it out, let me know. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I think the reality is, is that this is, um, 
very similar to like a high beta stock. These things go up and down and people consistently look for this straight line. And the straight line doesn't exist. I think people need to start thinking about their careers in nonlinear fashion. And, And right now in that high beta stock, we're at a low point in terms of the curve, but it continues to move upwards. And I think people should start thinking about where are those movements that even though it feels kind of low, where are the highs? People are asking for very specific, relevant skill sets now that are different than they did on the last push, which would be, I would say, pre-valuation drop in the tech sector and pre-drop in advertising, which affected everyone. So instead of growth at no cost, they're saying, we're looking for people that can help us grow reasonably in a profitable fashion. We're looking for people that are focused on both jobs and careers. Before, there were people that they generally said, everyone we are looking for should be someone that that has a career with us. They're increasingly segmenting certain roles into these are just jobs. Like we kind of just want you to do this role, help this function, achieve this piece. There might be a promotion, but this is not one where we expect you to be here for 10, 15 years. And I think that's a distinction for a lot of different talent. This last, I'd say, four to five months has really reinforced the value of careers, I think, for a lot of people. Making an active choice that instead of jumping around every three or four years or even five years to a role, where's a place that I can dig in for a good 10 years, right? It is something that we're only seeing now because the first generation of startup people are in their 40s. They actually don't have their energy to go pop somewhere for another two years. Financially, some of them still haven't, quote unquote, gotten lucky. You know, they've made enough to live a very reasonable lifestyle. But at this stage in their lives, they're like, can I keep doing this with the founder du jour, so to speak? On the corporate side, I think what we're finding right now is that people are much more focused on product skills and go-to-market skills that are demonstrated. So look, how do you contribute to customer acquisition digitally? How are you contributing to the user experience, both online and offline? And frankly, what have you actually achieved? And what's an example? There's not a lot of like, come take the bet. What have you done has gotten much more into it. Unfortunately, you're seeing a lot of what I call two for one jobs. For example, we got rid of our CTO. We got rid of our head of product. We need someone that can do both. Or we need a growth officer. Why? Well, we're not going to have as many people in marketing, sales, and strategy. So let's try to combine some of these functions. And I think that's something that people have to be wary about, which is what are you actually signing up for and is it achievable? So let me just pause there for a second. That's really good information. I wonder, you know, in the last few years, we've gone through such violent cycles, really, right? And where you're told everyone's hiring, you can ask for the world and you're going to get it. And then everyone's firing everybody. And it's really hard to figure out how to position yourself and get a job. And like you said just now, looking at your career as if you're going to go to a place and stay there. Just a year or two ago, the entire news headline was that you should be bopping around and that everyone was leaving every job because that's how you scaled your career up. So it's a really different way of looking at this. And it's changed dramatically in a very short period of time. If you were going out into the world to look at a job now and you are in your mid-career, how would you look at yourself and sell yourself into one of these businesses? What would be the value proposition of 
a 35 to 45 year old mid-career woman? Look, I I think, you know, women or men, frankly speaking, I think mid-career and age is not always a person's metric. Some people face this issue in their late 20s, some of them in their late 50s. It's, It's a life stage as opposed to timing thing. But I think what we're seeing is the people that have some level of emotional maturity are the ones that are winning. So what, what does that mean, right? Some comfort of who they are as a person, their faults, instead of selling, simply presenting. If you look at the, uh, the Japanese philosophy of Ikaji, right? So what, answering the questions very cleanly to someone, you know, what is your joy? What creates joy for you? What's your purpose in life? What's your role in society? What sustains you? If you think about those four questions, and there's no perfect answer. These are questions to hold. But what you love doing and what you're good at is probably some level of your passion, right? What you're really good at, what your role in society is probably your mission, right? What what your role in society is and then what sustains you, which is code for money sometimes, is probably your vocation. I mean, if you think about these questions, having comfort with an employer about this is who I am, this is what I'm good at, this is what motivates me, this is what my identity is. Those tend to be more the pieces, frankly speaking, that will let an employer understand I'm getting an adult. So there's an authenticity, an authenticity of person, an emotional intelligence about yourself and where you stand in the world, really coming in with a level of confidence in yourself. I think confidence, confidence, but humility. Like I've learned enough that I know this is what I'm bad at. And it's the motivations. People on paper, unbelievably, all look qualified, plus or minus 5%, right? We could argue, well, this person went to this school and great, that was a tier two brand on blah, 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 whatever is right. But generally, second shift audiences, second shift people are within the boundaries of looks good, right? Depending on the manager, but good enough. So you're really not differentiating, frankly speaking, on necessarily your resume is what the resume has taught you, what your experiences have taught you. And at this stage, what do you know about yourself? And then how are you going to contribute? Practically speaking, and it's not always the resume stuff. It's like, I'm ready to lead teams again. This is what I've learned about my own style. Actually, I would be a really bad general manager, but I'd be a perfect staff function leader, probably in a growth and strategy area. I'm going to be great in three years doing X, Y, and Z, because that's the challenge of the company. After that, you probably want to put me on, into the field doing X, Y, and, you know, it's things, things that you're comfortable about yourself and very upfront about why this job, why this role could lead to a career. I think it's dangerous for people in 35 to 45 to look for a job. It's almost better to slow down and think about what could be the career arc, even if there are a couple jobs inside that career. But if you don't have that clarity, the story starts breaking down. Because say the job itself doesn't work out, you still need to have that kind of consistency on the next job to say, this is my career. And I know it's super hard to think about career in today's environment, but it's one of the few things that you know employers, they see the passion, they see the maturity. All right, great. Let's have another conversation. I think to me, that's usually the difference in things. Anyone who tries to sell themselves too much almost gets out of it. It's like, look, I'm here just to problem solve with you. Let's just get going on this, right? Whether it's me or someone else, you make your impression by simply putting yourself in the other person's uh, shoes because too many people are selling. And mm-hmm. if you can give them something that's very personal, tangible, like this is like on purpose for me. 
like there's a reason why I'm not looking at the other things. This is why I'm here. And so I think that's what's making the difference, frankly, in today's today's world. That's really interesting advice, especially when you think about people in a career transition who are maybe going from one type of job to another, or they've taken time out of the workforce, whatever transition you're working through, your advice is to be smart and honest about where you are and the value you add, but also what you're looking for and just leaning into that honesty. Yeah. I mean, leaning into, look, I mean, I took a sabbatical. I was looking, I was doing reasonably well in my career. I had an inflection point, personal and professional. And that's part of my story of who I am. I probably wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't take that time off. Some people look at this in transition thing as like transition means bad. It's life. You know, you should be explaining what you learned from that experience and what from that made you better. Because the assumption then is you're hiding something, just to be brutally honest. But I do think the, the transition is just life. Most mature leaders at scale or people that are interesting are looking for these characteristics that are not just resume. If you look at the classic definitions of potential, we, you know, like many professional service firms have these projects, right? So for the last 20 years, we've been trying to track the same set of people and what really shows potential. You know, do you show elements of determination, engagement, curiosity? You know, these are all things that, that I think when you take a step back, you're like, great, this person has the raw skills. And I think being able to tell your story about how, you, how you've grown, how you developed, who you're going to be, shows the level of curiosity intellectually that you have, or professionally, potentially. Your level of engagement, I'm still here and in the game, so to speak. And pushing to find the next thing is determination. So to me, the if you're trying to differentiate on resume, it doesn't work. It's about you. Okay, for people who don't have access to a Calvin, you're an executive recruiter, you're placing the top of the C-suite. But for the people who are out there and working with the second shifts and looking for different types of job opportunities, or they're just out there listening to this podcast, they're not part of the second shift, and they don't have access to somebody who has the level of jobs that you have, but they want to get out there, what are the best tools or best ways that they can find job opportunities or reach out to people without seeming like cringy or crazy? Look, I mean, a couple things. I mean, this depends on what level of your career you're at. If you know a public company board member, or if you know a significant investor at scale, we're talking like, you know, a couple hundred million dollars they've invested personally or a fund that's a billion, let them know mm-hmm. that you are looking. Because that is the old traditional referral network we sometimes call the old boys network is now been replaced by different old boys, women, people of color. Start that universe activating. Most roles are still filled by referrals. Depending on the math and role level, 75 to 80%. On the best day, a search firm or third party or professional place is only 20%. Let them know what's going on. And I would actually say, take a step back and see what you're noticing in the world and saying, hey, there's something that hasn't been solved. That's my thesis. I can help fix that problem. And then I, with that idea, that's when I would reach out if I was someone looking to find a job or career and say, I'm here not just looking for a job. I see something that you're missing and I can help you get there. To me, having that clarity up front 
is pretty important. Like generally, great, I'm a marketer looking for a marketing gig. Doesn't really work. There are plenty of marketers. Great, I've been a consumer marketer. There's a white space on how direct-to-consumer companies are engaging offline. Great. I would then thin out the companies that you're looking uh, potentially to work with where that's a real problem, and I would get to the person that owns the problem. Even if it's a blind email, these people are constantly getting messages around, hire me, I'm great. Not a lot of them are getting the same message as I'm here to actually solve a problem. And then the brand actually increases. They'll remember you, right? At least this person came to me thinking about my problem. And then I should have this person at least talk to someone else or to me. And then you also build that brand message there. I think secondly, find your personal board of advisors. I think second shift, other organizations do a great job of introducing a community, but there's your mentor from the last job. Literally, there's your friend from junior high that you've been with for like ever that speaks to you in the truth after not talking for seven months. Having those three people, you can fill them with whoever, people who know you as a human being, just challenge you on all these things is the most important, right? Someone who can say, this is who you are and this is who you aren't. After that, I would go back to the alumni uh, of companies, places where you've worked with and get, get engaged with them. Should you want to pursue one of the traditional large-scale search firms and, and get engaged there, it's always nice to, to get an introduction. Um, and I think I see one person a week that's not related to client work. And so you know, I think my assistant filters through 30 requests of my time a day, plus or minus. So it helps to have a referral. So if you're at a stage in your career where you feel that you should be at the stage for more senior roles at scale companies, make sure you get a referral from someone. If everyone on this phone call is involved in second shift, you talk to Jenny before you try to get Egon's under time, because <laughs> then Jenny will ask me, Calvin, this is really important to us. But there's a lot of very good mid-science firms that operate in different segments, um, places like True, Diversa. You know, if you're looking for the growth company that's more technology oriented, they have better access, frankly. So I think, you know, always find a referral if you're trying to get someone to help you. That would be the, the little bits of information I would add there. Tenacity too, just like keep going. Like you're saying, you know, it's a job to find a job. You can't just take it casually. It's not a full-time job. It's one of those things where like every day, allocate half an hour to an hour right? On the weekends, put in half an hour. And for those of you who had the fortune or misfortune of the managed complicated projects, you have to put a project plan together. It's like, it's going to take you a while, three to six months, manage your expectations. And you're going to learn at each step. Great. Who are the people I should be connecting with in my network? What are they sharing and telling me based on the thesis I've shown? I get a couple more talks and usually it takes a good two or three months given kind of a half hour to an hour day to kind of figure out this is what the market's seeing me as. Great. This is what I think I can do in that. That'd be meaningful. And then at that point, it is actually highly valuable to go out there and be like, great, this is what I'm looking for. Everyone I know, who do you know? But I think that the biggest challenge I see is people that just kind of run out there like, hey, do you have a job for me? No one really has that time. But people have a lot of time to help someone think through what they should do. And I don't think we appreciate that as much because we live in this society where we want instant gratification. Yeah, no, uh, this is my, one of my most favorite things to do. We started a whole section of our company where I'll yeah. do once a week, I put time aside and people can book time where I'll just 
shine a mirror back on you and say, this is what you should do. Here's where you should position yourself. Yeah. There's as you look at your career. It's not like career coaching necessarily, like in a long-term process, but it's really just being a sounding board who has a lot of experience who can help shift people around. I was doing it like I'm sure you did where it's, you know, people are constantly calling you, but now I kind of like codified it into an actual practice because I really love doing it. People are really interesting and their stories are too. So, you know, you have to be a people person to be in this business. So you have to be interested in people. And so talking about people and this business as a second shift client, because you have been such an amazing client for the second shift, hiring our members into Egon Zender as recruiters, which is such a cool use case for the second shift. And I'm so grateful that that's how our relationship came together because it's, I mean, there's so many ways, but we we don't even need to talk about that. What we need to talk about is when you're on the client side and you're hearing from the second shift members or you're thinking about how you want to hire into your own business, what are some of the things that make people stand out or some of the things that they should stay away from and not do? Look, I think um, being able to explain why you're interested in, in a plausible fashion tends to be the distinction, right? I think a lot of people are interested in exploring or interested in a role or interested in a job or just in a career. I think it's important when you go through and start a process to be clear what level of interest you have. Just so everyone's kind of level set, the pretense of like, I love this opportunity and then to find out afterwards doesn't really help you as a person moving forward. But I find what's helpful with Second Shift is that, you know, whether it's you, Ruth, Gina, kept the army behind you, there's kind of like, this person is open to the idea and needs help. This person is very interested because of the lifestyle change content, you know, that reason as a candidate, I think you need to think about what your interest level is. And that sets the stage for the rest of the conversation. So people know, for lack of a better term, you know, am I assessing or am I selling? Like, where where am I in the conversation? And to me, that's the distinction that makes a candidate look good, because they've shown as mature. I'm just being honest. Secondly, it's one of the things the second shift does reasonably well. Well, thank you. I I think it's important to know the why. Why are you interested in this job? Why are you doing this? Why, you know, why are you even going through the process? Because don't waste anyone's time. Yeah, but I I think in a time of perceived scarcity, optionality is valuable to any individual, right? So there's that line, you might say those extra two things that say, oh, I want to make sure at least I have the talk. Save yourself and the other side a lot of grief. You know, spend that. I don't know, two glasses of wine thinking about it on the walk, on the patio or something, whatever it is. But that'll force you to think about how to be sharper and tighter about the things you go after. But to me, just having alignment early on is very helpful by all parties. Okay. What about remote versus in office? Because there was a period of time where everyone was like, you know, I have the power Mm -hmm. as the person looking for a job. And so, you know, the market was hot. I can ask for all of these things that I want because everyone wants to hire me. Now it feels like it's shifting back and some of the powers back into the employer's hands and remote work is one of those things where for our members at least it was a big distinction in their interest in different jobs. How do you think about remote work as an employer and also as when you're looking at the job market right now? How important is that for people to be flexible about? 
it depends. First off, sorry for the, the, the corny answer up front, but I think what, what hybrid remote COVID in person has taught us, there are certain roles that are fine being 100% remote. And for all intents and purposes, they're remote beforehand. It's like the person never left their cubicle, right? <laughs> when, they, when they're in the office. But I think you've got to draw a distinction once again on what you're looking for in your career. And there's nothing wrong with saying you might just want a job. Or at this moment, I might just want a job. Exactly. And I think setting your eyes realistically on what roles in my function, my passion area, I can do fully 100% remote and is supported. They tend to be technical in nature, whether that's finance, whether that's elements of specific problem solving, project management, that's fine, I think. I think the reality is that right now, people are, if you want a career, you're going to get back in the office. Part of that is that that intangible bump into someone, problem solving, someone to get you to know you, that is now being valued higher than we're used to. And I think hybrid's here to stay, period. I mean, most people, I would argue, have given up on Mondays and Fridays. You know, maybe they'll try to get Monday in. But the reality is, is I think that, that you'll see tensions in every company will continue. People will come back to the office and then the senior people that they'll want to spend time with are not in the office. That's the next problem, right? We're going to have to yeah. deal with because yeah. they're out at meetings doing the other things. So the question is, it's not necessarily remote in office. It's high impact in office. <laughs> so, you know, great. Doesn't mean nine to five, but you better pick the right 10 to three right? Like in the middle, so to speak. These are two big meetings. You're going to have to allocate time to be in the office to see people, you know, in, in a professional services organization. And increasingly, people are going to matter. Like, were you there? Were you part of that fabric in the middle? When a problem came up, were you available to just run into an office and problem solve it? And I think after a while, you will have to be in the office and then you won't have to be. Like, there's a running joke here. It's like, Veterans won't have to worry about it. Do two or three years, get two wins under your belt. People won't care where you are. But new to an organization, new to an organization reforming into an in-office, you've got to build the credibility that lets you do as you please. I mean, Jenny, you and I both know there are times, how long, early parts of our career, were we ever in the office once we got running? We were out in the marketplace. We were dealing with big people. But I think as a work culture, we have to get back to we're all doing this the right way together. And then we don't care where you are. It's been like a couple of years. We have no idea how to deal with each other, frankly. Love that advice. Calvin, you're the best. This was so deeply informative. And I feel like this is going to resonate to men, women, anyone who's out looking for a career at every level, because it's really practical, actionable advice, looking rationally at the job market right now and thinking about yourself and your career. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. And thank you for being a cheerleader and client for the second shift. Gina Kemp and I really appreciate you and are so grateful for your support. I'm happy to help here. All right. Be well. Bye, Calvin. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.